What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all, as always. Sitting here on Saturday night, Virginia Brown just went final about 20 minutes ago. What a day. What a day. What a first round Saturday. Uh, Absolutely fantastic day of lacrosse. We had four uh, great games. Really only one game that was a, you know, quote-unquote, uh, like blowout in terms of a team dominating from you know, one end to you know, wire to wire. Uh, we had overtime finishes. We had high-scoring games. We had fantastic defensive performances. Uh, we, we, we had a face-off battle. We had you know, face-off dominance. Goalie performances that were you know, beyond, uh, I mean, beyond comprehension. This is a, a, a first-round Saturday phenomenal um I, I you know i'd say probably who like thinking back to last year and to 2019 which is like the ones that i guess you could compare it to in the shot clock era like since that i think this is probably the best one um past like i gotta maintain like 2016 season was one of the best just because how crazy it was um, I call it 2007, like college football season. If y'all remember that, I, that was kind of 2016 lacrosse is the comparable. Uh, so like, I mean, since 2016, this is probably the best first round I could say, um, the best start to a tournament. Hopefully we get a 2016 type tournament here. Um, that, that'll be fun, but you no, know, into, into the games here, into the games and we're going to go in chronological order. So, oh, you know what? Let's start with this Virginia Brown game. It's it's fresh on the mind. Um, just finished writing up the the game recap. Posted it lacrossebucket.com. Virginia pulls away in the second half and and gets the win. This was a game at the half that was seven to seven, <clears throat> and until. You know, until Virginia pulled away, um, you know, there were four different lead changes, five ties through the first two and a half periods of play, quarters of play. Um, Adrian Inchill, Nolan Rockefeller puts it, you know, kind of uh, back into. You know, Virginia has these first two goals to open up the third. And show Rockefeller, Rockefeller uh, you know, put it back into contention for, for Brown. And that had been what Brown had been doing all day, was Virginia would punch and Brown was able to punch back. And, you know, even though they weren't getting the wins at the faceoff dot, even though Matt News was playing out of his mind in 16 saves, eight saves in each half, um, even though you had those deficiencies or those deficits at those positions, uh, those challenges at those positions, you saw a Brown team that was able to overcome that and was able to, you know, strike back when needed. And every time it felt like Virginia was 
was going to pull away. Brown was able to was able to to deliver a, a, an equally as big punch, and you know tie things back up again. I mean, they they get down two zero. You know, Connor Schallenberger, two two quick goals just like that out of the gate. Uh, but Brown <clears throat> eventually strikes back, and they're in this game for the majority of it. It is that Wasala and, and, and Nunes and the dominance there got so much that Brown could not overcome it. And that was there late in the half, um, five, uh, uh, late in the third quarter. 539 of the third, Matt Moore finds Xander Dixon, man up score. Uh, that puts, puts Virginia back up 10 to 9 after. Brown had tied it back up. I thought the play that really kind of symbolized the, and, you know, kind of symbolized that Virginia was pulling away was that Jack Peel goal um, where Matthews, I'm not sure how he made the save, but impressive save for him. It rebounds. I can't remember who got the GB. But the defensive midfielder Jack Peel just sprints up field. Uh, Peel sprints up field and gets gets the outlet pass uh, from from a defenseman. I can't remember who it was. <clears throat> gets gets the ball. You know, no one really comes out to challenge him. Takes a couple steps in. Defender comes up as he's shooting. Uh, puts in the transition goal there. That is is when I really felt. And just, by the way, that Brown crowd, fantastic, fantastic. Love to see it. That is when you kind of felt the momentum change, I feel. And Virginia just fed off that. And Peyton Cormier, Matt Moore, uh, each found the back of the net within the final minute of that third frame. You had two more from Cormier, another one from Moore, as well as one uh, from Dixon. And, and that puts Virginia at an eight-goal run. Uh, with 6:29 on the clock, Virginia outscores Brown 10 to three in the final two frames. But no, through the first half, this was a through the first half, through the first 15, you know, 20 minutes of the game. This was an even uh, not 20 through the first uh, 35 minutes of the game. Excuse me. This was a even game, um, and it. it, it, it you know, outside of the play from Matthew News and the play from P.U. Asala at the faceoff dot, I thought these two teams, you know, take that out of it. And this is a pretty even game where these teams are just trading punches back and forth. And that's what it was. This was a fun, fun first half. This is a fun game overall until you get to, you know, Virginia pulling away there. But what, what an effort from Brown. What an effort from Brown. Uh, Virginia... Heading back to the quarterfinals where they will most likely face Maryland. Who plays uh, Vermont tomorrow in their first round game? Now, let's go to Princeton and Boston U first. This was the only game that was really a, uh, a blowout. Oh, I should mention about the Brown-Virginia game. Uh, Providence, Pole Goal City. Let's just like put like I don't know. You no, know, you have those signs. They're like you know, welcome 
to you know you know whatever the you know whatever like here in here in uh Kentucky it's like welcome to Bardstown, Bourbon Capital of the World. Like put up Welcome to Providence, Pole Goal Capital of the World. So so, so many and and that Adrian and Chill I mentioned and, and, and he had some on the Virginia side, I believe there was two on there. You had another one on, on the Brown side, I believe, just a ton of pole goals. It was very very fun first half, as I mentioned, and, and that's where that uh, came from. <clears throat> Moving on to Princeton, the Tigers get their first um, NCAA tournament win since 2009. <laughs> clap it up for those guys, um, and clap it up for BU as well, and, and their first NCAA tournament appearance ever. Um <clears throat> Look, this was a game, midfield scoring really highlighted the day, um, but defense, phase-off dot, kind of anchored that as well. Um, you saw that this midfield kind of go off, and, and the, you know, Sam English, uh, Alex Valdaro, um Connected for that first goal, um, English threw a little hitch, got around the Terriers, short stick defender, took it to the rack. Uh, Princeton gets on the board first. Just under three minutes later, the Tigers, you know, turned a failed Boston U clear into a Chris Brown, um, into a goal. Chris Brown finds a wide open Christian uh, Ronda in the heart of the Terriers defense there uh, for a score on the doorstep. That's a 2-0 ball game. And it felt like from there, it was a a game where Boston U, excuse me, was trying to play catch up, and they they just could not do it. Uh, as Princeton was able to just in, continually stretch this thing as uh, you know, as needed, and you know one of the aspects of this game that you saw uh, twelve to five victory for Princeton. By the way, if you and but did I mention that yet? Um, but twelve to five victory here. One of the things that you saw, obviously you mentioned the, the, the midfield scoring um, here where, you know, the starting six, uh, the, the starting six, so your starting six players had 11 of the 12 goals for Princeton. Uh, seven of those came from that first midfield line. English Ronda and uh, Alexander uh, Vardaro each had, uh, you know, goals there uh, to, you know, combine for the uh, 11 goals, seven of which came from the midfield English uh, with uh, a hat trick there. Uh, Ronda, I believe, had two. Uh, Vodolo had, I think, one and one assist uh, on the day, or maybe it's two. But uh, you know, those guys combined for seven goals there. Uh, Ronda had two, so three, five. Yeah, Vodolo had two as well, I believe. Uh, Colter McAsee had one on the day uh, to give that starting attack unit combined four goals. Uh, Slusher had a hat trick uh, there. Alex Slusher did, um, and you know, kind of the quarterback of this uh, of this offensive success was Chris Brown. You orchestrated of it, if you will. Uh, top ten assist leader, you know, lived up to that reputation today. Uh, three, the five, uh, five assist on the day, five helpers, three of which came in the first half. Um, there. 
Because you had two in the second half, uh, both coming in the third quarter. And that offense was kind of able to get what they wanted um, when they wanted. Uh, this Boston U defense, I didn't think was – they didn't play as good as they did the last time out against Princeton. Uh, Roy Meyer had himself a really good day there at the LSM spot for Carlson over six ground balls. But outside of that, really was not a a, a, a solid day, I, I I don't think, from this Boston U defense really at all. Um, you know, they weren't – you know, they were kind of getting caught um, – you know, we're getting beat multiple spots on the field. And so I'm trying to think back to this game. I've watched so much lacrosse today. But, um, like, they really just, you know, getting beat, letting guys open in the middle of the field, um, you know, and particularly getting beat from that midfield, from the midfield spot on those dodges from up top. We're having trouble uh, guarding that. Uh, so so really not, not the strongest day from what had been uh, a pretty good defense. Uh, there for BU this season. Um, uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, Tyler Sandoval, 50, 83% at the dot, 15 for 18. Mentioned the success there at the faceoff dot for Princeton. Eric Peters, 15 saves in cage, 75% save percentage. That anchored a defense that played their butts off. George Bond, Ben Fenway, Colin Mulshine combined for three cause turnovers um, and held the Boston U starting attack line. Of Royce Perfetto, Vince D'Alto, Timmy Lay off the scoreboard, and with the goose eggs on the stat sheet, that Boston U attack line was held with absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. No score, no goals, no assists, no points. Absolutely nothing. That is phenomenal. That is a phenomenal defensive outing from Princeton here. And uh, a big aspect of that was they rotated more guys in than they usually do. Uh, Luke Clemens had a good day. Uh, there, three cost turnovers, two ground balls. Pace Billings, two cost turnovers, one ground ball, one goal. Uh, he had a, a, a goal in transition. Those short stick defensive midfielders, Jake Stevens, Bo Pedersen, played very well. On the day there, Sam English also had a good day. Um, you know, on the back end as a as a two way threat there, uh, three three cost turnovers actually led the team and caused turnovers four ground balls as well. Um, I, look, I thought I thought this was a a, a just kind of all encompassing good performance from Princeton, and you know heading into into Yale, they're going to want to build off of this. Uh, this is the best game that they've played for in a while, um, in terms of you know. Start to finish, complete performance. I, you know, and like yes, it's against a Boston U team that maybe not be, maybe it's not as deep or as athletic as them. But this is a team that played them very, very well the first time around. Very, very well. It was a five-five game in the third quarter the last time around against these guys. This is not a bad BU team. Princeton played a phenomenal game. They played a new perfect game. Um, the, no, they're going to need that against Yale uh, on. Saturday and next Saturday. So, we'll, uh, is it Saturday or is it a Sunday game? Let's pick. Let's pull up this bracket here. It might be a Sunday game. Nope, it is Saturday again. Saturday in Hempstead, Sunday in Columbus. So, uh, that's what we're looking at next week. Let's talk about this Yale game. And, and so, 
you know, I kind of left at halftime of this game uh, to go get some food. And so it was like, had the ESPN app up on my phone, you know, face down, just kind of listening to Clark and uh, Chris Cotter on the, uh, on the broadcast there. And um, so I, I missed kind of like, not the whole third, but I missed like maybe five, five minutes of the third quarter, uh, like seven minutes of the third quarter. Uh, so the majority of the third I missed, but everything else I got to see of this one. Um, and this is phenomenal. Uh, this was a phenomenal game. 18-16 offensive shootout here. Uh, you know, NCAA quarterfinal, you know, rematch. Yale-Princeton is set up after this game, after Yale beat St. Joseph's. 18 to 16. This is like, so I'll be honest. Like I, so I, I thought the BU Princeton game and the Richmond Penn game were, and was almost right about the one uh, was right. Were, were the, were the two games that were most like upset potential of uh, the first round. Uh, I mean, and, and not that I didn't think St. Joseph's like, wasn't good enough to give Yale a test. I thought they would test them. But I did not see this kind of game coming. Like, I felt, you know, what y'all saw with the Brown, um, with the Brown and Virginia game, I felt that's kind of what we were going to see in terms of the Yale defense being able to uh, not hold the St. Joseph's offense because you knew Anderson, Bomer, and Brown and those guys were going to get what a page were going to get what they wanted. Uh, but I felt like there was going to come a time where Yale was just going to outrun them. That never happened. And credit to St. Joseph's for this. Um, and certainly when you have guys that call, it's, you know, easy to stay in games like this. And I thought that's a reason why they were going to be able to, but I just thought like at one, at some point, like in the fourth quarter, it, you know, you know Yale's going to run them down. Um, and that never happened. That never happened. Credit to, to St. Joseph's in this one. A phenomenal game, back-and-forth game. Each team just kind of chipping away at each other all day long. Matt Brandau and Leo Johnson, each with four goals to assist on the day to lead uh, Yale. That included, you know, they scored or were involved in four of the final five goals uh, there for the Bulldogs. I thought that stretch was pretty crucial there late in the game. Uh, you, you know, Yale is down eight to nine at the half. They come back, they they get up, and they score five um, of the final, what, eight, nine goals, I believe it was. That kind of put them away, uh, put this one away. But it was never, never um, like a safe lead. Uh, 214 left, I believe, is when you saw Leo Johnson uh, score that final goal to make it 18-16, and, and the, the Yale defense uh, had forced a turnover uh, there, and there was multiple you know, big stops by the Yale defense there late in the game that helped put this one to bed, uh, but Johnson uh, getting that last goal. Brandau had the second-to-last goal for Yale, um, and then they each, I think, assisted on two, on two of those other goals, uh, two of those other final five goals there. Uh, Chris Lyons had one. Uh, that was a uh, was it Chris Lyons. Oh, no, it was uh, James Ball had that one that was off the face-off win. As you know, you know I, I guess we'll talk about the face-off dot now. Eighty-seven percent from Zach Cole, 
phenomenal performance. By the way, he's come back for the fifth year, if you all didn't know that. Um, Yale threw sophomore James Ball into the mix there late in the first half, and then he played the majority of the second half as well. He goes 61% on the day for Yale. That really helped in the second half there for the Bulldogs. And, you know, you know, this is a game really, you know, want to give, you know, credit to St. Joseph's in this one because, as I said, like, they they were always able to strike back. It, it was kind of that, that second half. The um, one that we mentioned there where Yale was able to get ahead and, you know, St. Joseph's unable to come back. They, they, they got, you know, late in the game. They had, you know, cut it to 17-16 with 3.37 remaining. Um, multiple opportunities tied up. Possibly take the lead. However, a failed clear. Two turnovers were all they could drum up there on those final couple of possessions. Uh, as Yale, you know, stood tall, defended their home turf, walks away victorious there. Uh, Jared Parquet, 16 saves there for Yale. Uh, Robbie Seeley with nine. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, you know, back to what I was saying. Credit to St. Joseph's for you know not only just making it to the NCAA tournament and being like we're here, we're excited, we're here, first time ever. But they came out, they played their butts off, um, and, and, and they showed the world, the lacrosse world, who they are. They, they showed kind of how they've played all season long. Um, a, a really, really good effort from St. Joseph's. Another mid-major team that almost knocked off an Ivy League squad today was the Richmond Spiders. Um, Penn, 11-10 in overtime. My first thought like after this game went final was, of course, of course Penn is going to win in overtime in the NCAA tournament. Why would I have expected anything other than that? That's all they do is win one goal games, one in overtime. Um, it's a typical Penn game. Um, but, but, but then also, you know, another big part of this game was the fact that Sam Hanley, you know, yes, he had a hat trick in this game. But who's the main contributor? Who's the guy we're all talking about? That's Ben Smith. That is Ben Smith. This is another game where Penn has multiple guys who step up that maybe aren't normally there. Um, you know, Ben Smith puts home the game uh, game tying goal, then puts home the game winner, has five goals on the day. Uh, for uh, Ben Smith does the freshman to seal the deal. Uh, a, a phenomenal game for him, and I think he had like like six goals coming into the game uh, on the season, had only started the past like five. Excuse me, he had, he had two goals coming into the last like six games. He started the last six, and I think he's had like nine in, in those past ones now, uh, can, including this one. So phenomenal, phenomenal stretch here from Penn, as we've said, uh, as the offense just seems to get deeper. Uh, but that is not what won them this game, uh, to be sure. So I want to ask you all this question. What certainly Ben Smith uh, and those two goals got them the win, but what is the play that won them the game? And it's something I've talked about with Penn all season long. 
y'all thought about it? Right. Let's bend the dog. Bend the dog and, and, and that ride. One, which, one pen this game. Richmond, they had those two man up goals. They get ahead. All they got to do on that last stop, uh, you know, they, they got to clear the Zach Vigu has, has a fantastic save. They tried to run the clock out. I thought they did it a bit too early. Um, they, they, they get the turnover. I think it was Till that caused the turnover. They go, Penn goes down and they get a shot on Cage. But it's saved by Vigu, who had a really, really strong game. Uh, both goalies, I think, played very well. Bogan Shaw, 15 saves. Vigu, 11 saves. But what won this game for Penn was that ride. Was Ben Bedard causing that turnover on the ride? And just seconds later, Ben Smith is putting in that game winner. If they, if they were one successful clear away from upsetting Penn, Richmond was. Um, a, a, a really, really good effort from the Spiders, but it is those little plays. It's those little plays. It's what you do in between the boxes that matters. And that, you know, came to fruition here today. As Ben Bedard has the, the, the play that gets Penn into overtime, gets in that overtime goal. And then Jamie Zuzai off the faceoff uh, to open the overtime period. He gets the uh, ground ball out of the ground ball scrum. <laughs> now, he had the possession for like a second. So, uh, you know, Mike Murphy, very, very good timeout. Um, there. He gets the ground ball, though. If he doesn't get that ground ball, you know, timeout doesn't occur. And, you know, that then, out of that timeout, is, is what has set up the, the, the play where Ben Smith gets that, uh, you know, game-winning goal. It was those little plays, and and in the first qu- in the first half, uh, the first quarter, where Penn goes up uh, five to, they go up five two, uh, they're five to two, uh, after you know being down two nothing, they did have a couple plays in the middle field. You had Vigu uh, trying, you know, throwing the outlet pass, and Smith just sticks his, puts a stick in the air, grabs it, goes down, scores on the open net. That was one of the two he had in the first period of play. They made plays in the middle of the field. They made really good plays in the middle of the field. Um, and, and that's kind of what made the difference. And it made the difference in the end in this game. Now, Penn is not a team that always does that. Um, they can certainly do that. They can certainly uh, you know, play well in transition. They don't always do it. They do it sometimes. And uh, they can do it well. And that is what makes them so dangerous is that what I've been saying for the past few weeks is the depth of scoring that they've been showing and the ability to capitalize on those uh, unsettled situations on those plays in the middle of the field in transition. Now, <clears throat> on Richmond's side, all credit to the Spiders, a heck of a game. I thought their defense played as good as they could <clears throat> in, in in this contest. Um, I you know We talked about Vigu played a fantastic Game there, Brian Dunn, Brian Ranchberry, Luke Frankeny, those guys played a phenomenal game. Uh, and this is a team that almost won. They almost won. Uh, you have Jake Saunders and Brandon McClure, 
uh, connected for a pole-to-pole sequence there, tied at seven. Uh, Lance Madonna, fine trying done on the doorstep. Boom, it's eight to seven. And from that point on, it felt like this game was in uh, Richmond's hands, so to speak, even though you know, Penn did come back and tie it and I think got up at least at uh, one point there as well. Uh, but it felt like, you know, this game was in Richmond's hands. And this is uh, for a period of time there at the end. Uh, you had those two man-up goals <clears throat> that Lynch really assisted on both of them. Um, uh, he scored on one of them, I believe. Uh, but, you know, the really from line done for that score to put Richmond ahead, uh, through the overtime period, the two sides combined for four failed clues, 10 cost turnovers, and both of these teams, you, you know, threw the kitchen sink at each other for the final 20-plus minutes of this game. A fun, fun contest between Penn and Richmond. And the Quakers, of course, get the overtime victory. To update the bracket here, so, Virginia will play the winner of Maryland and Vermont, uh, number one Maryland, and unseeded Vermont, who beat Manhattan in the play-in game. And Princeton and Yale will play each other in the uh, quarterfinals next week. That is in Hempstead. The Virginia, most likely, Maryland game will be in Columbus, Ohio. Penn has advanced as well. And they will play the winner of Rutgers and Harvard uh, tomorrow uh, in that quarterfinal next week. That quarterfinal will be in Hempstead uh, as well. So the only two other, that one will be Hempstead as well as the Princeton-Yale game. Uh, So we have Maryland-Vermont tomorrow. We have also tomorrow Rutgers and Harvard and then Cornell-Ohio State and Georgetown and Delaware uh, the winner of those two games, Cornell, Ohio State, Georgetown, Delaware, will play in Columbus, Rutgers, Harvard. That winner will play uh, the winner uh, will play Penn, and as mentioned, Maryland, Vermont will play uh, Virginia in that quarterfinal game. So uh, a lot of exciting lacrosse left to be played on Sunday. A lot of lacrosse in the books today on Saturday. Have a great night. Enjoy the lacrosse tomorrow. As always, you can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.